Well, amen. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, if you have your Bibles. Well, Suzanne Heather's allowed to get married as long as she comes back every Sunday and sings with us, all right? Okay, let's make sure of that, all right? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Um, Paul has shifted his entire letter in chapter 4, and he has set the stage for the second half of the book by using this word, therefore. Therefore, because of everything that he said in chapters 1 through 3, which we've looked at this past summer or so, because of who we are, we are to live differently. We have seen that our identity, just like with Paul's readers, that our identity is no longer primarily wrapped up in our ethnic or national background. It's not wrapped up in our denomination or political affiliation. Our identity is not wrapped up in ourselves. Our primary identity now is in Christ. It is, I am a Christian now, a little Christ, a son or daughter. I'm no longer in darkness or in death, belonging to the old self. I am now light and life in the Lord. This is now who I am. Therefore, since we've seen over the last couple of weeks, therefore, since behavior follows identity, since behavior is produced from identity, therefore it follows that since our identity has changed in Christ, then what we do had better change also. In other words, our behavior, our words, our thoughts as Christians had better look different than our behavior and thoughts and actions as non-Christians. How we act, how we react... How we speak, what we post, what we text, what we think, all of that should change. We're to be imitators of God. We're to live a life worthy of the calling to which we've been called, he says in chapters 4, verse 1. In everything and in anything. So as we're going to see today, so we should take off our old humanity, that old self, that old man, that old nature that's full of confusion and chaos wickedness and idolatry and division and lust and hatred and greed and gossip and malice and slander and hypocrisy and on and on it goes. We're to take off that old self and instead put on the new self. We're to live in such a way that we are worthy enough to bear the name Christian, to bear the title son or daughter of God. Now we have just three weeks left in Ephesians. You say, well, that's a lot. How in the world are we going to do that in three weeks? Well, we have just three weeks left, and these three chapters really come down to this. So, therefore, therefore, because of our identity and unity in Christ, we're to live a life worthy of the calling to which we've been called, which means we're to live, as we've been looking at, unity. We're to live responsibility. We're to live, as we'll see today, purity. We're to live humility. And we're to live, we'll conclude this letter, with intensity. Now, we've already looked at oneness, unity, and how we must live meekness in order to have oneness. We also saw last week that we ought to live responsibility. In other words, if you're in Christ, then you have a responsibility to his church, to the bride of Christ, to the body of Jesus, to use the gifts that God has given you out of his bank of grace and use those gifts to serve the church. 
Use those gifts to encourage the church, to build up the church. And if you're in Christ, you have a gift. And it's unique, it's distinct. And you're to bring it to the table and use it to serve and to build up the church. Well, today I want to look at this third point, that we're to live purity. We're to live purity. And I want to do something a little different, because we're going to cover quite a few verses here. I'm going to read the text. I don't have the words on the screen today, because I want you just to listen. Now, you can follow along in your text if you want, right there in front of you. Um, I'm going to be reading from the NIV. If you don't have an NIV, there should be one in the seat back in front of you. But I want you just to listen to these words, because it's one long train of thought for Paul. And let his words just sink or soak into your heart and mind, and let it just marinate there for a few moments. Because no doubt what he is about to write for us, or what we're about to read, is going to hit home, and it should on some level. So just listen to these words that Paul writes, beginning in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. He says, so I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding. They literally lack understanding. They are separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So thus they've lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. They just want more and more and more of that indulgence. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. In other words, you know better. When you heard about Christ and you were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, literally to take off the old clothes, which is corrupted by its deceitful desires. Desires that say at first, oh, this feels good, this is right, this is good, I'm just going to live my truth, but these are deceitful desires. You're to be made new in the attitude of your minds. So put on the new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. Quit lying to each other. Quit putting off a false impression. Speak truthfully to your neighbor. Why? Because we're all members of one body. In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but you must work. Do something useful with your own hands so that they may have something to share with those in need. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs so that it may benefit those who listen. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom we were sealed for the day of redemption. So get rid of all bitterness, get rid of your rage and your anger, your brawling and your slander, along with every form of malice. 
And instead, verse 32, chapter 4, be kind to each other, compassionate to one another. Forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Imitate God. Follow God's example. Chapter 5, verse 1, therefore, as his dearly loved children, walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed. Because these are improper for God's holy people. There should not be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. These are out of place for you. But rather, thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure that no immoral, no impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, no such person as an inheritance or a hope in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, don't be partners with them, partakers with them. Chapter 5, verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, because it's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So be very careful, then, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Make the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that is a lot to unpack. So let's unpack it this way. Once you are in Christ, everything changes. We've seen this. You're no longer darkness in Christ. You're no longer an outsider. You no longer belong to death. You are, as he says in 5.8, you are children of light now. You are, as he says in 5.1, sons and daughters, his children. You are now alive in Christ. You are, as Jesus would try to get Nicodemus to see, that in Christ you are born again. We've seen this. Well, another way you can say it is that in Jesus you become pure. Washed clean. Made new. You are a new creation. A new person in Christ. You leave the old life and you embrace the new life. You leave that life in which you were living for yourself, you just doing you, And now you embrace a new life in which you live solely and wholly and completely for Jesus. As Paul would say elsewhere, I am his doulos. I am his slave. He owns me. He's my master, my Lord, my king, my everything. Therefore, it doesn't matter 
my ever-changing opinions. It doesn't matter my fickle emotions. It doesn't matter my culture's fluid moral compass. It doesn't matter the brokenness of my DNA strand or the disposition of my molecular atomic particles throughout my body. None of that matters anymore. When it comes to how I ought to live as a born-again child of God, as a new creation, a new person in Jesus who has God himself living in me. All that matters now is that I am called from death. I am called from darkness. I am called from depravity. And he has called me into life, into light. He has called me into purity. He now commands me to be pure like Christ. Be holy just as he is holy. To live purity. And how I think and the renewal of my mind, and how I speak, and how I act and react, and what I watch, and what I listen to, in my relationships, at home, at work, at the gym, in the community, online, in public, or in private. I am to live purity in everything and in anything. As Paul says in Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, throw off the old sinful nature. Get rid of the old clothes. That's the analogy he's using here. Take off those old dirty clothes, your former way of life. It's corrupted by lust and deception. And instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. So put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Think of it like this. In elementary school, I attended Roosevelt's in Ponca City. I was a Roosevelt Rough Rider. This was my identity as a young little Jonathan just roaming about Ponca City streets. I was a Roosevelt Rough Rider. This is who I was. But I wanted to play basketball for Woodlands Elementary. The enemy the eagles, the opponent across town. Why? Well, I had some buddies there, some guys I went to church with who went there. And let's just say they had a little bit more of a productive team than the Roosevelt Rough Riders. So I wanted to play basketball for them. In other words, I wanted my hands in both baskets. My heart was divided. Because I wanted to maintain my identity as a Roosevelt Rough Rider, but I wanted to play as a Woodland Eagle. And let me remind us of something, because I think we forget this on a daily basis. We are prone to wonder. That Jesus made very, very clear, and Paul makes it very, very clear here in Ephesians. What I did with Roosevelt and Woodlands, we cannot do with Jesus. You cannot have two masters. You cannot be a house or a heart divided. It's either all or nothing. You cannot seek to maintain your identity as a Christian, yet go play for someone else. You can't do that with Jesus and this world. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but I want to go play for the world. I want to go think like them. I want to go watch what they watch. I want to go listen to what they listen to. I want to go act the way they act. I want to go react the way they act. I, I want to go post what they post. I want to go do all of these things. You can't do that. 
You cannot do that with Jesus and your time. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but I want to go spend my time how I want, when I want, where I want. You can't do that. You cannot do that with Jesus and your relationships. You cannot do that with Jesus and your words. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but I want to go respond with that post of hatred and slander and and gossip. Mind you, even if you're talking about a leader of a culture, you cannot respond with malice in your heart. Not anymore. You died, he lives. You cannot do that with Jesus in your reactions. You cannot do that with Jesus and your sexuality. You cannot say, yeah, I'm a Christian now, but I want to go satisfy every inclination, desire, and urge within me. It's my body. I live my truth. You can do that, but you can't claim Jesus in the process. He demands everything. That's very, very clear in the Gospels. You are his. Every desire, every urge, Every emotion, every feeling, every strand, every molecule, every atom of who you are, every thought, every relationship, every moment of your life, you die, he lives. Paul would say, I've been crucified with Christ. So he says, don't live as the Gentiles do. So, well, yeah, but I am a Gentile. No, 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 not in Christ you're not. There is no Jew or Gentile anymore. Remember, there is no male, female, slave, free, rich or poor. There is no, dare I say, Republican or Democrat, U.S. citizen, non-U.S. citizen. I live on the east side or, well, I live on the west side. There is none of that in Christ. Now, Paul's not trying to strip the beauty from ethnicity or nationality or diversity. He's trying to remind us, first and foremost, that in Christ, we are Christians now. Our citizenship in heaven Sons and daughters of God, the Holy Father, the great I am, Yahweh himself. So what he's saying in essence is, act like it. Think like it. Speak like it. Because we know better than to live as the world does. As Paul says, the world is darkened. They have no understanding. Their minds are empty, their souls are lost, they're broken, they're helpless, they're hopeless. They're just living their truth, which is about as fickle as the weather. They're doing whatever feels good, how they want, when they want, where they want. But we know, as Paul reminds us in chapter 5, that such lives lived have no inheritance in the kingdom. They have no hope. Their end is death and destruction and darkness, although at first it appears right to them. And although for a moment even we can believe that it seems right, that it seems to be working out for us, but their end is destruction. We know better than to live and think and act like the world. Because we as God's children have been taught a different, better way. For example, when we go out as a family to a place like Chick-fil-A, And my kids are playing about in the play area and they see kids doing things they shouldn't do or saying things they shouldn't say. My kids know better than to act like that. Hannah, we're still working on, but but my kids know better than to act like that or to speak like that. Why? Because I have taught them a different, better way. When you and I learned Christ, when we learned the way of Jesus, we were taught 
No longer can you be a part of both schools. Because our identity changed, thus behavior must change. We can no longer live like we once did when we belonged to death, darkness, and depravity. So take off that old self. Put on the new self. Live purity. Everything we just read in all those verses comes down to purity and how we think and speak and act and react, how we live. We are to live purity. Think of it like this. We know the story of Cinderella. The wicked stepmother, the stepsisters, the mice, the carriage, the the slipper, the banquet. The story of Cinderella is where we get these phrases, rags to riches. Or a Cinderella story. We say that a lot, like in March, for March Madness. What do we mean by that? It's an underdog who rises to champion status. Lowly position to high position. Or quite literally, they go from rags to riches. In the story, pre-Prince, Cinderella, she has nothing. She's really a nobody except a lowly, poor, filthy servant. An outsider, an outcast in a way, forgotten. But post-Prince, post her encounter with the Prince, she has now everything. She becomes a somebody. She becomes a highly rich, pure princess. She goes from rags to riches. But just imagine that as you. That you have everything. And how foolish and ridiculous it would be to be declared the princess or the queen or the prince or the king, the the one on top of the kingdom. You have all your riches then to return back to the rags. To live as though you have nothing. To live like you're really a nobody. Pre-Jesus, you and I were in rags. We had nothing. We were nobodies with nowhere to go but to gratify our dying, dark, depraved flesh. But post-Jesus, post-meeting the prince, the king, post-entering into Christ, we now have all the riches and blessings you can imagine or ever take hold of. You become a somebody. You become a son or daughter of God himself, a prince, a princess, heirs to the kingdom. So why in the world would we go back to living our former way of life? It's foolish, Paul's saying. Ridiculous. If we are to be like Jesus, if we're to be pure like Jesus, to live the way of Jesus, then our relationships, what we watch, what we listen to, how we speak, how we treat each other, what we post and text and what we take a video of or comment on, what we do, our rich life in Jesus must look radically different than what it did before when you and I were caught up and dead in sinful, dirty rags. So Paul is urging us to live purity. He says, listen, don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God that is in you, who is a person Don't bring sorrow to him by how you live. Instead, he says, imitate God in everything you do because you're his dear children. You know better. You've been taught and shown a different, better way. So live a life now that is worthy of the calling that you've received. 
live a life so deserving of the name Christian, of the title son or daughter of God. You say, well, why should I do that? Because once you were full of darkness, but now everything's changed. Now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. Or in other words, live purity. I'll finish with this. I was younger, probably about second, third, fourth grade. And I was playing outside our house with some neighborhood kids, doing what neighborhood kids do, you know, just playing. It was a summertime thing, and we were getting dirty and sweaty and just, you know, everything. Well, that night, we, my family, were going to a very nice dinner. It was kind of like a celebration, a banquet. And so my parents come outside, or one of them comes outside and says, Hey, Jonathan, you need to come in now and get washed up. You need to get cleaned up for the banquet. So I go inside. And I quite literally took off those old clothes, those dirty, sweaty, smelly clothes. Got in the shower, got all clean and everything, and then put on the new clothes. I was ready for the banquet, like a new kit. But we had a little bit of time to kill before the banquet. So lo and behold, I was prone to wonder. And amazingly, it's ridiculous, it's foolish, I went back outside, dressed in like dress clothes that you don't hardly ever see me wear anymore, right? I I mean, I went outside and got all dirty and all filthy doing the very same things that got me filthy and dirty to begin with. I started living my old former way. Parents weren't too happy about it. The Bible is saying if you're in Jesus, you're no longer in rags. You're now in riches, ready for the big celebration, ready for the big banquet. You're the bride of Christ, the body of Jesus. So when you're waiting, act like it. Think like it. Speak like it. React like it. Live like it. In your relationships, in your speech, in your behavior, in your response, in what you watch, in what you listen to, in what you scroll through. Live purity. Because it's no longer you who lives, it's Christ who lives in you. So don't bring sorrow upon him by how you live. You belong to him. You are his doulos, his slave, his master, his lord. So you can no longer play for both teams. You are purity in Christ. So now live purity. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm going to invite John and the team forward. And with this invitation... Some of us, we have some confession to do. And John says, man, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But man, some of us have some serious confession to do. And for some of you, that means just coming to the Father completely humble and raw and confessing those sins. For others of you, 
The scripture says you are to confess your sins to one another. Maybe you have a sin that you need to confess to a fellow believer, one you trust, maybe to myself. But man, some of us have been returning to our former ways of life. Saying things flippantly, acting and behaving in ways that are not the ways in which we learned Christ. You're to live differently now. If you want to take the name of Jesus, he calls you to die. To take up that cross every single day and follow him. If you want to take the name of Jesus, it's different now. We cannot maintain our identity as Christians and live or play for another team. What's your decision right now? Confess that sin, and some of you need to repent and place faith in Jesus for the very first time here this morning. Some of you need to follow through in baptism. Some of you need to join the the community here at FBC Enid and say, man, I'm ready to, to start serving and living in this community. But man, as I pray, you pray. And as I pray, if you need to come forward, you come forward. If you need to just come and to these steps, you just feel, man, I need to get out of my pew today and I just need to go before the Lord and I want to do it a little differently and I just want to come to these steps. You do that. And after I pray, even as you come, if you want to pull me aside and talk to me or Nick or someone, man, you do that. Even as I pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you. for your word and we thank you for who we are in Christ Lord may we recognize that you now call us to live as children of light no longer as we once did as it pertains to our former ways of life and how we lived and acted and behaved regardless of emotions and feelings regardless of genetic makeup You told us now to put off the old and to put on the new. We are a new creation in Christ. And you demand complete, full submission to your Lordship. But if we cannot renounce everything and come follow you, we cannot be your follower. Lord, I pray today that we would surrender to you. Confessing our sin. And we thank you that you're faithful and just to forgive us those sins and that in Christ we are washed clean and that we belong to you forevermore. But Lord, I pray for that person right now who is outside of Christ. They're still in their darkness. They're still in death. They're still in their sin. Lord, bring them into Christ here today. Let today be the day of their salvation. May they repent and believe in the only name given to us under heaven by which we must be saved and that is Jesus. For those who need to follow through in obedience of baptism to declare to the world, I have died, I've been raised in a newness of life to walk with Jesus as my Lord and Savior. May they do that. Stir our hearts and minds. May we be be obedient to your conviction on our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You stand with us during this time of invitation as you respond.